Shalom, my friends, and welcome to the Roots of Flourishing podcast. I am Dr. Chris Lasante, and this is the podcast where we explore the roots of human flourishing through medical knowledge, philosophical reasoning, and theological insights. Episode 9, Redeeming Work, the Individual, Part 2. Welcome back to our discussion on redeeming work. Last episode, we addressed the importance of loving our work. This episode, we will talk about loving the people we work with and work for while highlighting the vital role that our spiritual dimension plays. The root of self-transcendence is vital in taking us outside the psychologic dimension and into the social and spiritual dimensions. A question we must continually ask ourselves is whether our work is more about the process or the people. Is it more about process, technology, and efficiency, or about caring, encouraging, and blessing other people? One of the five important fruits of flourishing is meaning, or the M in PERMA. Remember that we find meaning frequently through social relationships. Additionally, our social connections directly impacts the R in positive relationships, while the P, or positive emotions, is frequently a byproduct of those good relationships. Through self-transcendence, we can embrace our work and those around us as intrinsically valuable, and then we will achieve four of the five fruits of flourishing, the P, R, M, and A in PERMA. By embracing multidimensional harmony in all that we do, we can reframe our work world by incorporating the social dimension with its service to other people. Dr. Richard Gunderman, a fellow radiologist, says this, In many, if not most cases, answering our calling deeply and well has less to do with our job description than with the people we work with and serve. And by working always to answer a call to bring out the best in others, we not only find the best places to work, but actually help create them. We see that Dr. Gunderman reinforces the notion of the importance of the social dimension to the value of our work. Additionally, these positive relationships motivate and inspire us to greater excellence in the performance of the work itself, resulting in a reinforcing virtue cycle. Thus, the importance of the people over the process. Again, we need to be consistently aware of this because otherwise we start focusing on the process to get some instrumental good, such as money, rather than the good of friendship or the good of health or of life or of the basic good of work itself. An example of the social aspect of our jobs is our pest control business that we use. It's a local family firm with a grandfather, son-in-law, and now grandson who are all in the pest control business. They're all very friendly. We've gotten to know them because we see them consistently each time when they come to do our pest control. So it's not merely just a service that's being rendered, but an ongoing relationship with this family. This incorporates more of our multidimensional humanity, bringing harmony in the dimensions and thus making the service more humane. Another example of the importance of our social dimension was when one of my former colleagues in radiology retired from the military and then took a civilian position. Now, this civilian position paid more money, which you might think would make for a better job. 
However, when he came back and told us about his civilian experience, he lamented the fact that he missed the camaraderie of working with fellow radiologists and the residents that we train because of his more isolated work environment. This again underscores the importance of the social relationships within our work. Another facet of the social dimension that we lose is when we forget or fail to recognize the impact that our work is having on others. All the work that we do is important because it has an impact upon some other people in some way. Sometimes it is very direct and tangible, but in other jobs like mine as a radiologist, it's more distant and indirect. In these indirect jobs, and these are becoming more and more common in our digital world, we must be mindful that what we do impacts real humans. Sometimes the work itself may not be terribly interesting or engaging intrinsically. We may see our work as routine or even boring. At my work, I frequently read CT scans for follow-up of some small pulmonary nodules. Now, this is not likely to be very challenging, and usually I don't find it particularly interesting. However, I then need to be mindful that I'm supposed to reduce diagnostic uncertainty and pursue that with excellence. I then go on to tell myself and others I work with that the work we do is important because by reducing uncertainty, the internal excellence of the job, we will reduce anxiety and ultimately promote the human flourishing of our patient. The bottom line is that we must be mindful that what we do is more about the people than it is about the task at hand. The third and last area that we as individuals need to embrace to bring flourishing to our work is to redeem it in terms of the spiritual dimension. Selfless love is one of our virtues, which we need in all of life's activities, including work, and is the root power behind self-transcendence. The virtues empower us to do the good, which includes doing good work and making work a good. Now, you might be thinking, what about chores? We all have chores because we live in a fallen world and things need upkeep. It seems to become an endlessly repetitive task that seems to never get completely done. Tasks such as doing the dishes or laundry smacks of being a Sisyphean task. We get this word from Greek mythology where Sisyphus, who was the founder and king of Epira, cheated death twice. Hades punished him for doing this by forcing him to roll an immense boulder up a hill, only for it to roll down every time it neared the top, repeating this action for eternity. Doing chores can seem like an endlessly repetitive task with no clear end or meaning, a bit like Sisyphus's boulder. We need to find meaning in it somehow, or else it will drive us crazy. Now, my wife and I read this book entitled The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, and I found out that one of my wife's primary love languages is service. Well, when I realized that, it made me looking at washing dishes, changing smoke alarm batteries, and replacing HVAC filters, not just as a simple chore, but now as acts of love. Whatever we can do, whether it's consciously saying out loud what we're doing, being mindful of what we're doing in terms of the internal excellence of the task itself, or its impact upon others, are all important aspects of redeeming our work. In addition to selfless love, we need to practice other virtues. Another virtue is the virtue of hope or optimism. Hope helps to create the joy-filled work environment that we all want. 
Remember in episode seven, when Marty Seligman talked about optimism leading to happiness and greater human flourishing in marriage, and also he spoke of how that optimism can be a contagious effect on others. This optimism is important not only in marital relationships, but in every aspect of our lives, including our jobs. General Colin Powell, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Secretary of State, has 13 rules for life. His 13th and final rule says, perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Now, I've seen this in my own life, and you likely have as well. In my MRI fellowship, there were five of us fellows, and there were times when one of us would be gone on vacation. Once, I came back from vacation and heard my fellow fellows state that the glue had been missing. I asked what that meant, and they stated that the glue was me. They said the glue, or me, kept them together, and when I was gone, so was the togetherness. I think this was directly attributable to my hopeful and optimistic outlook on the job itself. I endlessly look for opportunities to advance my knowledge and the knowledge of others. Later, my mentor for the fellowship needed someone to help with a second edition of a book that he had co-authored, and he graciously invited me to participate and made me a co-author on the book MRI The Basics, now in its fourth edition. Beauty or aesthetic experience is another basic good, and people marvel at things of beauty while those who make it can take justifiable pride in both a job well done, impacting the basic good of work, while also touching the basic good of aesthetic experience. This was seen when we spoke of work with our remodeling guys. Jobs that are creative can frequently bring about something beautiful. However, this creative beauty can even be seen when we are making something whole again. An example of this is the Japanese repair art known as kintsugi. Kintsugi, or golden joinery, also known as kintsukuroi, or golden repair, is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. Creating objects of beauty reflects theologically the creation aspect of God, while the beauty in making something whole reminds us of the redeeming work of Christ. Both types of creative work reflect our humanity and can lead to works that are aesthetically pleasing and sometimes even transcendently beautiful. The spiritual practices of prayer, mindfulness, and gratitude all practically lead us into greater human flourishing through the root of self-transcendence. These disciplines are vital to redeeming our work. The positive psychologists talk about the importance of gratitude. One way of doing this is a what-went-well exercise. This exercise is something that you should try to do each day by writing either on paper or a computer three things that went well each day. Now, the psychologist did not constrain it to just work, but since work is an important part of our lives, we would, of course, include work in this exercise. An additional idea that has been shown to be helpful is a gratitude journal, which is one of the things that I do on a weekly basis. Now, how do we incorporate mindfulness and prayer into our daily work? Remember what another of my colleagues, Dr. Sanj Kadial, said when he encouraged us to more consistently practice mindfulness throughout our day. Additionally, theological traditions exhort people to consistently pray as well. Even before we get to work, we should cultivate a habit of prayer and mindfulness. I decided to turn off the radio during my morning commute to just pray. 
This prepares my soul and empowers me to face the challenges that work throws at me. That's great prior to work, but you might think that you're too busy to incorporate these practices while at work. However, I would say that everyone has to go to the bathroom, right? While you're walking to the bathroom or even in the bathroom, you can be mindful and prayerful for those around you in your work environment and for the job itself. You can express gratitude for things that went well or for things that did not go as bad as they might have. Another way of incorporating mindfulness and prayer during our workday is a deep breathing exercise. Take a deep breath and transcend your psychologic for a few moments by asking God for strength and mercy or by being mindful of something that went well during your day. Again, it's a battle of the mind and where our mind and attitude is. In addition to positive relationships with those we work with and for, we can also enhance our relationship with God. In addition to the R for positive relationships, this time with God can also bring additional meaning or the M in PERMA. How can we enhance this relationship during work? I like to go on what I call a well-being walk each day for 15 minutes. I go out and enjoy some fresh air, take a break from work, and while I'm doing that, I think about and pray for those in my life, family, friends, and people at work. I thank God for things that went well that day, including work. Yuval Levin, in his book, A Time to Build, says this about faith. For its believers, though, each faith serves the ultimate and highest purpose. So, we can see that in the spiritual dimension, the virtues particularly selfless love and hope, working with self-transcendence, can make our work environments the places of joy that we want them to be. The virtues and the spiritual dimension also remind us of practically implementing the spiritual disciplines of gratitude and prayer or mindfulness in a daily and consistent fashion, which can also lead to greater meaning in our lives. As we look at the final big picture in our lives, we can ask ourselves how people will remember us when they're at our graveside. Dr. Gunderman, citing a David Brooks column in the New York Times, says this, By contrast, the eulogy virtues are the ones that we can only hope will merit mention at our funeral. Whether we were kind, brave, honest, or faithful, the eulogy virtues concern not what we can do or what we have, but who we are. In the end, it seems we appraise a life not so much by what we get as by who we are and what we contribute. So, Dr. Gunderman and David Brooks are reminding us that people will remember us by our character and whether our character showed a love for our craft and, more importantly, a love for the people associated with it. By doing those two things, we will redeem our work, resulting in human flourishing for ourselves, those we work with, and those we work for. Praxis has put forth a rule of life for redemptive entrepreneurs. The rule involves the following. Strictly observing the Sabbath and so refraining from work for one day a week. Tithing to the poor. Systematically disengaging from phones, tablets, and computers for a set time. Committing to daily prayer. Frequently sacrificing opportunities for our own advancement to intentionally create pathways for others. And finally, pursuing a worshiping community. So you can see that praxis and their rule of life touches all the aspects of human flourishing that we have discussed in these two episodes on the individual. In summary, we have seen the importance of self-transcendence that promotes the right attitude in everything that we do in life to include our work. 
This will lead us to apprehend more fully the internal good of the work we do and pursue it with excellence for its own sake. Self-transcendence will also help us to be mindful of the vital importance of the people we work with and for. Practicing and cultivating the virtues, particularly selfless love and hope, are crucial to bringing the good attitude that we all need and want while practically exercising these virtues through the spiritual disciplines of gratitude, prayer, and mindfulness. Our attitude is the only thing we have complete control over, and it has a huge impact on how we view work. However, the institution has an important role to play as well and can either promote or harm the basic good of work and the human flourishing that should flow from this endeavor. However, our institutions have contributed to the harms of work through problems that degrade, dilute, or distort our work. Problems of money degrade our work, bureaucracy dilutes our work, while problems of ideology distort the good of work. In the next two episodes, we will talk about the importance of the institution and what employers and leaders in business and government can do to make certain that we do not harm but promote the basic good of work. A final thought and prayer for these episodes on the individual and work can be found in the Serenity Prayer, which says, O God and Heavenly Father, grant to us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed courage to change that which can be changed, and wisdom to know the one from the other. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May we always keep this in mind as we seek to love our work and the people associated with it. Until then, wishing you increased flourishing as we press towards the goal of completing our humanity. Check out my show notes for references and additional resources. The show is also at rootsofflourishing.buzzsprout.com. Shoot me an email at rootsofflourishing at gmail.com with comments or questions. 